Welcome, welcome, welcome back, listeners, to Own Goal Podcast. After a five-month hiatus, oopsies. What's it called when those like when like professors leave for a while from college? Sabbatical. Sabbatical. That's the word. After a five-month sabbatical, uh, Eric and I have returned. I know you guys have all been dying to know who won the World Cup. Um, We. You know, we usually outline our episodes, but uh, this episode has no outline. As a, a as a great person once said, we just threw out the rundown, and we're just kind of shooting from the hip today. But first, to the byline. It's in! It's an off goal! It's a gift! Well, he's almost done well to get that in because he's ahead of the near post. He's almost behind him. Sticks his left leg out. It almost hits his heel. It goes straight into the bottom of the corner, bottom corner of the net. Gets ahead of the ball, it's the inside of his car. Got no chance to clear the keeper. Astonishing position to get the body into. Alright, my friend. Where would you like to start? I think it's important and you you made a slight joke about it in, in, in the intro here. But we should address, you know, our reasonings for not covering the rest of the World Cup. And I think it's because you and I just got so fed up with all the, you know, slave labor World Cup bullshit that we finally decided to take a stand. And unlike the rest of our peers in this sports media landscape, we actually put our money where our mouth is, right? We sacrificed our airtime to, to go off the air and to not grace this indignity with the respect it did not deserve. Yeah, I mean, we definitely sacrificed a lot of ad revenue in that five-month hiatus. And anyone who says that it had to do with the way the USA were knocked out of the World Cup would just be lying. Absolute bullshit and, and ludicrous ludicrous statements all around. Um, but as you kind of mentioned, five months off, way too much content to recap. So I figure, why don't we do probably what the people care about the most before we dive into various league race situations and maybe coaching turmoil and just things that we want to talk about. What about a quick temperature check between the two pod boys on how they're feeling about their guys? As their guys being Man U and AC Milan, respectively? If, if, if it is to be said, it must be said. Okay, on a scale of 0 to 100, I'm at a 69. Hey, that's pretty good. A less 100 is bad. Below a 70 is a failing grade. But but I mean, but, but your, your scale of 0 to 100, 100 is better than 0, right? Yes. 0 <laughs> would be that Man U is now playing in the league that Wrexham just got promoted <laughs> out of. That, that's 0. I, I, I only ask because it would be very much like you to be like, I'm a 69 out of 100, and I go, oh, that's not that, that could be way worse, and then you turn it on me and be like, zero's the best, you know? Mm. You've you've you you've done a thing like that to me because I've done a thing like that to you. That makes sense. That checks out. So what what? Please, uh, if you wouldn't mind, just fill us in on what what's the cause for the 69? What's the cause for the concern? My, I have a theory that maybe some things we saw today are, are points towards your concern, but. Uh, let me stop stumping on you. Okay. The team the team would be at a 49. But ending a, a trophy a 5-year trophy drought 
that that automatically gave him 20 points. Just because I think that is such a big deal in terms of establishing a winning culture again. And I've actually been getting really into this in sports, the idea of a culture. And because as a because of where my fandom is on my sports teams, I have to live in the glory days of the past because that's all I have right now. Yeah. And so I've been listening to a lot of podcast interviews that Rio Ferdinand has been doing of various players he played at uh, at Man U back in the good old days of 10 years ago. And it's just really, it kind of made me realize that the culture that a manager creates and the mentality of a club matters way more than we as fans realize. And I think that's the difference between teams with talented players who underperform and teams with talented players who win trophies. And so I think winning, even if it is the Carabao Cup, the League Cup, that still is a step in the right direction after a five-year trophy drought. So, And doing it against Newcastle, that was sweet too. And I mean, it's a trophy that people only talk down on once they're eliminated from the competition, right? Yes. Everybody would want that trophy if everyone wants the trophy at the start of the season. Yeah. It's only, it's just, it's the classic, oh, it, it's, you know, in Italy, it's the Coppa Italia. Oh, we got knocked out. Well, we don't, we have, we have other things we care about anyway. Yes. Yeah. It's just, it's that, that it, so I, I completely agree. Uh, I think, you know, everything you're saying about winning culture, uh, we actually saw kind of being built at Milan um, a few years back, which, you know, kind of Pioli's first season and when we had brought Zlatan back, we qualified for the Champions League, but didn't, didn't you know, win anything. But you, so I think there's an interesting thing about not just a coach building a winning mentality and like a, you know, a, a title mentality. You need to have certain players that can bring that in as well, right? You, obviously, over time, hopefully players can build it, but you can't build a, a title mentality out of a starting eleven that has no title mentality, right? Like somebody has to bring it in. So that's where I think, you know, obviously for the numbers, people love to gush about Erling Holland as like the best Premier League transfer. Uh, but that Casemiro uh, transfer is huge. Absolutely huge. And, and, he that's scored, that... and he scored in the League Cup final, just to your point. Yeah. Uh, yeah, he's, so been, he's been awesome. A lot, a lot of good things. Uh, but, you know, got to ask, you know, Knowing that you're at 69, that's that's leaving you know what 31 uh, number digits uh, that we're missing. You're in top four right now. You know the title was never really realistic for this season, just knowing how last season ended and, and what was and wasn't done. So you're in top four. You have a title, and you're fighting for another title in a in a city derby. So you know what's what's going wrong in your eyes. The injuries have decimated the team. And a lot of people say, oh, but it's injuries. So, you know, you can't blame anyone. No, 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 no. If you went into this season thinking we didn't need that Harry Maguire, Harry Maguire should not have been part of the team going into this season. And we should have had center backs prepared. I mean, fuck, sign some young dude from like Serbia or Croatia. That's what we did with Vidic. That worked out pretty fucking well. The fact that, like, this was going to happen. Varane was going to get hurt, and if, Mar- and if Martinez went down... I like Lindelof, by the way. It's not like an anti-Lindelof thing. It's just that going from Martinez and 
Varane, who are fabulous together, to Maguire and literally anybody. The dude might be so bad you could put fucking Nesta next to him and he might make Nesta look average. Not bad. Nesta would never look bad, but maybe average. That's how bad Harry Maguire you're talking is. About Nest, you're talking about like Nesta today. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're, yeah. Um, and this was a predictable problem to me. So I, I'm docking points for that. I'm also well, docking... I, go ahead. It's to say, there's, a, there's another thing you can blame when injuries come about. What's going on with medical? True. I mean, like, looking at Milan, we're actually in our, our most healthy kind of point of the last three seasons, but for the last two and a half seasons, it's been some, been some dire shit, and it's like, what is going on with, like, physio and health and, and nutrition? Because, you know, over the length of a full season, you'd like to think that there shouldn't be such disparity in in the injury bug, but then again, you guys have played the most games of any Premier League team by a wide margin this year, so maybe they're, I don't, I don't know, but you can always blame people. I, I, don't, yeah. I never want to hear that there's no, nobody to blame for shit. Yeah. The next thing is that, man, sometimes, like today against Tottenham, we should have put that game away. We should have fucking won that game 5-1. And then in the second half, to come out so flat and look awful, and then Bruno misses that chance to make it 3-1, it's the way he missed the chance too. I know. He he beat everybody. He beat the keeper. He could have just dinked it in, right? He just just the the fucking piss rocket off the crossbar is rough. So I'm not happy about that. Yeah, I'm not happy about the Sevilla tie at all, and I can't even talk about it because it will just piss me off, and it will not be a fun podcast. That really disappointed me, but. Okay, then I'll say this. Kind of, I'll go back to a positive side. Loved what Aaron Ten, Ten Hag said today. Some players thought giving 90% is enough, and it's not. I kind of like that quote. That got me kind of fired up. That was Ferguson-esque of a quote. So, that's where the 69 comes in. I don't like that top four is going to be a little tight at the end. There's a part of me that thinks, like, there's like what if we fuck this up? We shouldn't. But... I, so. I did I did some quick mental math, which means I'm I'm almost 100 incorrect. <laughs> but I think if you guys get four wins of your final seven games, at least Liverpool cannot catch you, and they have. I guess the only person that that could maybe catch you then would be Brighton, as they have three games less. No, only one game less. No, I, th- I think if you win tw- if you win twelve points. Of your final seven games, I think you guys secure it. And I mean, there's like West Ham in there. There's there's some teams where I think the points should be. I agree, but I'm so concerned about the defense right now that I. What's just... what is the word on on? Uh, I, I know I know Varane's trying to be back for the uh, FA Cup, but that's not till the end of the season. Uh, what about Martin? What about Martinez? Oh, he's done. Is he done? Done. He's okay. Done, done. That's rough. Yeah, he was really, really great. I actually did my short thing. So, remember how mad you were when that was that was like the other big signing you guys had? I know I was wrong. Well, okay. I'm sorry. I've been friends with you for years. You're you're a known height with an H height supremacist, and you rubbed off on me. But everyone also said that. I'd never rub you. I don't know what you're talking about. 
So that's where I'm at. Um, I think that if we secure top four and we somehow pull an upset of City in the FA Cup, you win two trophies in your first year, I think that would be huge. I think that it, the City game is going to be an embarrassment. Maybe if City are playing in the Champions League final, they're kind of keeping an eye on that five days later. So, And the other thing going for City is Arsenal have, you know, basically have given City the advantage in, in the title race. Um, so, like, you know, City oftentimes at this point in the season, either because, like, Liverpool, you know, was 10 points ahead or City was 20 points ahead of, of second place, they'd be kind of coasting in, in the Premier League. They've still got to go balls to the walls in the in the Premier League to finish out the season. So you've got them fighting on three fronts. Uh, obviously, you guys are fighting on on your on one front to get top four, but like, there's there's not. It's not as. Could you imagine if Manchester City wins the treble and in winning the treble they beat us in the FA Cup? That would kill me. Yeah, I might go to that FA Cup. Really? Oh, oh, that's you're gonna be there. That, that's when you're there. I'm gonna be in Amsterdam that day, and I already I, t- I told Kelly last night like this is the first Manchester Derby and FA Cup final ever. Like, how often am I in Europe already for an FA Cup? And I so yeah. we're, we're going to that Man U Fulham game, that last game of the season, and I'm like, I might hop on a flight by myself and go to that game by myself. You should. You 100 should. I, I think I will regret it if I don't. You absolutely should. I mean, we'll would lose. Your, would, and would your I'm, brother go? Yeah, I'll probably take my brother. Yeah. You should do it. You should go. Yeah. But um, that's where I'm at overall. Um, if we were still in the Europa League, I think I'd be, like, we'd be at a 76, 77. But right now we're at a 69. Um, obviously, things can change. I do like that. I do like, he, Ten Hag says all the right things. He should be, unless he, unless he catastrophically does not finish in the top four, he should definitely be safe in his job next year. And But I'll say this. And this will be my last thing. I expect a title challenge next year. If you don't have the guys to do it, go get the guys to do it. Well, and you know, thinking about if you don't have the guys to do it, you know, you you don't have the guys to do it at every position, but you do have, I think, some key pieces already in place, right? You can't watch Rashford this season and say he's not, you know, a title challenge caliber player. We talked about Casemiro. Absolutely huge. I think you need a third because of injuries, but Veron and Lissandra Martinez, one guy won a World Cup, one guy won everything there is to win with Real Madrid. And, and a World Cup. And a World Cup, fuck yeah. And, uh, and they both look good when healthy this year. So like, and then, I mean, we're, we're Luke Shaw fanboys over here. The we, we, we think he's back today. So, you know, he's definitely way more impactful when he gets to play fullback because he can get up and he can put some crosses in. You know, he can do that thing. Uh, so, you got, and then, I mean, Erickson's look good. Um, you know, your last season's most consistent player, Fred, is, you know, maybe going to be around. Fred is out the door, dude. <laughs> Fred will be part of our cash and swap deal for layout. You motherfucker. But that's a good transition. Uh, Let's talk about Milan. Okay. What's, wait, what scale are you going to use? <sighs> I am at right now. I would say two and a half stars out of five, and you might see that, hear that, and think this guy's in in the Champions League semifinal. What the fuck is his problem? 
I know you. Thank you, thank you for coming to my TED Talk. You might be wondering why I asked you here. Uh, you know, if, if, if we were the only Italian team in the Champions League semifinal, I think my rating would be a little bit higher. But just knowing that, like, we if we, you know, losing to Inter to send them to the Champions League final, absolutely, absolutely would, would destroy me. Especially because I think if that happens, there is no way we can, like, maintain and rebound from that and finish top four. It's like, it, it'll be mentally overwhelming. It, I think, it, I think you know, it, it's just like the uh, United-Liverpool, like, test. It's it's a rivalry that the players truly, truly buy into, care about, and there's some, like, personal beef with Chalanoglu and the guys that he all said sucked and left uh, that like, it would, I think, break key players. And so just that threat that that could happen has me at like, like I said, two and a half out of five. If you want, if you want to convert it to your scale, that's fifty percent. Maybe, maybe give it a fifty-seven percent, right? If, if we're if we're going to your scale, or fifty-seven out of one hundred, you sure. want technically percentage points. Um, and part of that is don't want to fuck this up with uh, against Inter in the Champions League semifinal, and also you know we are in a a tight, tight, tight race. For top four, um, but let me let me talk about the good stuff. It's been an incredible Champions League season. Which, so awesome! Which you know, before we got out of the group stage, the most notable things was we got absolutely dicked on by Chelsea uh, in 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 both matchups in the group stage. Um, that was weird. It, it was it wasn't good. That's for that sure. was weird. But, you know, it's been kind of fun watching this Milan, which showed flashes of it last year in, in the Scudetto uh, kind of uh, clinching campaign of turning on that Italian defense. Uh, Brian Diaz scored early against Tottenham in the first leg, and then they just defended for the... Didn't love it because, like, let's not turtle, let's not fall back in, but... Defended the fucking ass off. Did that against Napoli as well. Played Napoli, you know, three times league and then twice in the Champions League in span of eleven days. And my boy Davide Calabria shut down Fadicelia, uh, probably like the revelation of Serie A this year. So a lot of good things happening going on. But I mean, we had that stretch post World Cup where Mike Munyang was out, where we, you know, I think. Won one game, drew two games, and lost like five. I think we or seven games in in that post World Cup stretch, and that's we went from right behind Napoli in the Scudetto race to are we going to make it? Juventus got their fifteen point penalty reduction restored, so they got to they got to catapult all the way up. And Milan play Lazio, Juve, and Roma. Uh, all three of them are. You know, that's two, three, and five with one fourth, and two of those three are on the road. So it's it's as my my boy Kendall Roy would say, this is a uh, a tightrope walk on a on a straight razor situation. And I'm I'm a pessimist yeah. at heart. Obviously, I've I've never once thought things would go my way. Uh, 
especially in sports. So like, I can't see the way that this works out for Milan, uh, but I can see how this ends in fiery shambles. But plus, if we don't get Champions League, that 100% confirmed that Leao's going to leave. If we do get Champions League, it kind of feels like he may want to stay. It sounds like he's really close with Pioli. He really uh, credits his development from like, this guy has all the potential in the world and he's so frustrating to this guy has all the potential in the world and he has all the skill too. Uh, I love Leo. Watching that guy, watching that guy play is a treat. He's awesome. In in a different way, because he feels like my baby. I'm not saying he's as good as this comp I'm about to make. Um, and their style and their skill is different. But when he's like taking on three defenders on the wing and just blitzes past them or splits through them and has that smile on his face, there's like a pure soccer joy that I feel like the last time I really just saw that was watching Ronaldinho, right? Yeah. Just like in a completely different way, right? He was more like, I'm going to skill move around you, through you, across you, into you, and out of you. Um, but like you could tell there's just like the joy of the game is what fuels what fueled Ronaldinho. And there's just moments where I kind of like get that vibe from layout. Who he had that assist to Giroud recently where he just like completely <laughs> like eviscerated four people into the Phantom Zone. Yes. And, and then gave was, Giroud a tap in. That was against Napoli yes. in the Champions League quarterfinal. Yeah. Oh my god. He, honestly, if we're looking at left wingers, it's Mbappe one. And then after that, I would make an argument that Vinicius Jr. and Leao are a pick'em because, and I don't mean any disrespect to Milan, but Vinicius but Milan, Jr. gets to play with Karim Benzema. Yeah, also, like, let's let's look at the success that Real Madrid have had over the last, you know, seven years when Milan's kind of been in the wilderness until last night. Like, and last year we didn't make, we, we finished last in the Champions League group stage, right? Yeah. Whereas Vinicius won the Champions League last year, so. Yeah. So. No, no insult taken. But then, and then, and then after like those three, it's like the Rashford soccer debate probably in the next tier of those guys on the left side who are really game changers. Um, but yeah, I, uh, Milan did have a tough, post-World Cup. You and I had talked about it a lot. But with Big Mike back, Leao hitting stride in this tough stretch, I'm hoping, you know, Milan can put it together. And obviously, I am very hardly, very hard cheering for Milan to win the Champions League. I think that would be so awesome. So here's... Yeah, so that's where I'm at. Those are my I thoughts. mean, my... I... I, I, I don't want to say it because... If you I can't, say you it, can't say those words out loud. No, but what I would love to see would be incredible, which means it won't happen, would be Milan-Real Madrid final, where Carlo plays, coaches against Milan in Istanbul in a Champions League final. One of those two entities would get to vanquish the ghost of Istanbul, which would be really cool. And and we could both laugh at Klopp at Liverpool last year saying, oh, it's in Istanbul next year? Book the hotel. Dude, Klopp sucks. So that, that that's where I'm at. That's how I feel. Um, during that bad stretch, a lot of internet geniuses were calling for like Pioli out and he sucks and 
they're fucking idiots. This guy <laughs> led us to a, a title last season. He gets at uh, least like a three or four year like leash here. He literally he, he brought you guys back to the fucking series. And we're in the we're in the Champions League semifinals, right? And and so yeah, I I but if you, you know. win the Champions League, it doesn't matter if you fucking finish eighth. Because you get to play in the Champions League again yeah. and you won the fucking yeah. Champions League. No, absolutely. Um so yeah, it'll be it'll be it'll be squeaky bum time, uh, to borrow us or Alex Ferguson uh is um the rest of the way through. That being said, Donnie, what's uh What's been catching your eye outside of our two teams? Before we get into that, I just want to say, Mostradamus is back, baby. I did it in 2018, and I did it in 2022. Let's not gloss over that. Argentina won the World Cup, and I said it. I was, oh, I was like, oh yeah, that's the that's going to be the 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 perfect ending to Messi's career. He got the perfect ending to his career. You know, for for a lot of the soccer world. Largely, the GOAT debate between he and Ronaldo was settled. Um, they I want to get into that a little bit. They were awarded a lot of penalties in the knockout stages. <laughs> they were awarded a World Cup record number of penalties. A lot of penalties in the knockout stage. But I do want to talk about the final. And this is why. I am always kind of a big guy of it's like all that matters is winning and it, it, like you lose whatever. And every now and again, I see a performance that is an absolute exception to that rule. And I want this to be very clear that I think this. Argentina beat France in the World Cup final, obviously. Nobody beat Mbappe. Nobody fucking beat Mbappe. That was the most incredible performance I've ever seen in a loss in a soccer game in my life. I don't care who was the official player of the match. Mbappe was the player of the match. He made... Three penalties against the keeper who's lauded as being the best penalty kick saver. He made three different times he got it past him with ease. Yeah. It was an unreal it was an unreal comeback performance. And, and I believe I believe two of the penalties he earned too. Like I I at least, at least one for sure. It was so long ago, LOL. He earned uh, one. One was in the shootout too. Oh yeah, that's right, that's right. He earned one. Um, that was an unreal game, actually, that second half and extra time. And Mbappe got so much into Martinez's head. All of his celebrations were mocking Mbappe. You know that Mbappe lives in that man's head rent-free because I think Mbappe could take 100 penalties on him and he'd make 95. <laughs> Just because Mbappe, like, owns that man. How do you, as a goalie, how do you let one player score three penalties on you in a game? Yeah. I never liked the same player taking a penalty twice in a game. Because I think as a player, you overthink well, it. Mbappe was Harry, awesome. We saw that with Harry Kane with England. Exactly. Mbappe was awesome. It sucks that France had like a flu because their players looked like they had the flu. The way they played. I don't know, man. I don't know. A lot of penalties awarded to Argentina. France, the little flu bug before the final. It's like I said in our preview. Messi was an official Qatari, like, travel Qatari sponsor. Um, <laughs> only question is, did FIFA fix this or did, did uh, uh, Mastradamus fix this so he could be right? No, it, now it sucks because now it's like I got now I have the pressure for 2026. I'm already scouting, like, guys who haven't even played for their national team. Did I, who did I, I, did I pick? I, picked, I didn't pick Brazil, did I? You yeah. said Brazil, but if it wasn't Brazil, Argentina, and I said Argentina, but if it wasn't Argentina, Brazil. 
Yeah. I remember really liking France, but being like, I'm not picking the, the winner to go back because Germany burnt me so hard. <laughs> I know. Oh, but um, I just wanted to give props to Mbappe for being the second ever person to score a hat trick in a World Cup final. And like, the dude is like 24, and every time he goes to the World Cup, he goes to the final. <laughs> um, and, and he'll be in his prime his next World Cup. Yeah, which is terrifying. So that's all. I just wanted to give Mbappe his credit and just give Messi his due on, you know, putting the feather on the cap of a glittering career. Yeah, Messi, congratulations on converting those penalties. No, it's it's not easy to do. Um, good job, man. Uh, all right. Okay. I want to focus a little bit on top kind of storylines going on in the Premier League right now. There's a lot of juice. Oh, man. Okay. I'll, I'll let you pick where you want to start there. I want to start with the one that lives rent-free in my head every moment of my existence, and it's the Man City trouble possibility. <laughs> <laughs> you know how, like, when you have an old married couple and one of them passes away, and then, like, within seven days, the other one dies? They just, like, kind of lost the will, will to live a little bit. If Manson win the treble, I might die. <laughs> On the spot or like seven, within seven days? Like within a couple of weeks. Like, and I, I, it's not that I would, you, you know, off myself. It's just that I would lose the will. Like my brain would tell my organs we no longer want to do this. <laughs> There's, there is not a second that goes by. There's not a day that's gone by in the last three weeks or so where I haven't thought about that. That's pretty miserable, man. It really I just gotta say, I, you know, it, I really, I really hope this doesn't happen to you while you're on your Europe trip because I feel like you need to take that time to decompress a little bit. Um, but so that is that's what's been on my mind. Now, here's what I think is going to happen. I think that they are going to win the Premier League. Yes, they I, definitely. I then think they're going to. Like 5 1, 4 1, one of those embarrassing man you against a rival performances us in the FA Cup final because we don't have our defense. And then it's going to be, and, and, and I said this in the group, and this is what I think because it's going to be because it's about what's going to hurt me the most. <laughs> Milan, a team that over our friendship I have grown to love, support, care about. Guys who play on that team that I fucking love, like Theo Hernandez and um, Rafael Leao. Milan will be my only hope. And then I, too, will watch them fail me. And the way it's going to happen, Eric, is going to be so soul-crushing. Because Manu and Milan could have both prevented it. And knowing that... <laughs> like, I will carry that with me for a very long time. So that's what so, I'm worried about. You know how I'm an expert in this kind of mentality? Yes, obviously. I defer to you. My specialty, though, is less so the acute disappointment and instead the long-term torment mm. there's a scenario where your boys Teo and Rafael Leao ball out against Man City would be incredible and and Mike Magnan those three ball out and then as a result Pep has decided whatever it takes over the next three years those guys are all at Man City 
and then you spend seven years watching Teo and Leao feed each other on the wing, uh, where Manyang takes over from Ederson as, you know, and, and Manyang is hard to argue there's a shot stopper really better than him, maybe outside of Courtois. There's, there's, I'm just saying, there's a scenario where you are, your organs pump long enough to see your beloved, your beloved outside of England players, because it's been reported that Pep has been an admirer of Teo Hernandez once he became a world-class player at Milan. You know, Pep doesn't really care for people until it's already evident that they're world-class players. That's how good of a scout he is. Um, You're like... <laughs> I may die a week from now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just telling you, that's, that's, that's plausible. That, that, that's the, if, if I were you, that is the future that I would see. Um, the other thing that I actually do think happens is I think Real Madrid get past Man Shitty. Oh, but, Benzema. But I think you're I think you're dead right that that FA Cup final game is just going to be like hemorrhoids for you. No, it's going to be like my hemorrhoids having hemorrhoids. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, but so that's the that's the one that's really making me miserable. Um, but right. here's the funny one. Chelsea. I mean... So I, bad. You know... Comically I knew I, terrible. I, I, I knew I wanted to talk about Chelsea, but I also knew that I really didn't know what I wanted to say about them. Um, it really just felt like... I think Graham Potter was the right hire at the wrong time. I think if another coach hadn't just brought in, you know, a couple hundred mil worth of a player worth of players. And if that if Potter was brought in, you know, at the start of a summer and had a full off season, I I, I, I can't see it going how it's gone. That being said, it did. And with what Deserby's doing at Brighton since Potter left, maybe Potter was the fraud we never thought he was all along because he had hair. I mean, like, I, I need somebody to really explain, regardless of Tuchel, of Potter, of um, fucking Frank Lampard, regardless of who it is, the amount of money this team has spent over the last, you know, two or three seasons on attacking talent, coveted attacking talent, I swear to God, they're lining up a formation where they're playing one or two max actual attacking players. And they're playing with, you know, 37 center backs, a couple wing backs, and like two midfielders. Okay. There's a lot for me to unpack there. So let me start with the first comment about grandfather the last time an english manager won the top flight league in england was before it was called the premier league and it was in the 91 92 season when howard wilkinson led leeds united to the old division one title since and so in your our both our lifetimes not a single English manager has won the Premier League. 
English managers like their players. You know, the, the Premier League gets the most media attention of all the leagues, which means English players get a lot of media attention and English managers get a lot of media attention, which means they get overhyped. Just like we see with the English national team every international tournament. God bless. And Graham Potter did good work at Brighton. But guess what? He left, and they have continued to do just fine. Yeah. And he is actually doing worse than Tuchel. He did worse than Tuchel did at Chelsea this season. Statistically speaking, it's true. English media... Hypes it up. sounds like, I don't need statistics, like the eye test, it, it passes that too. Like, English media hypes up English managers. He had a good thing going at Brighton, and then he left Brighton. Brighton was continuing on just fine without him, and the wheels quickly came off. He, You know the, how presidents, those pictures of presidents before office and after oh, dude, eight, That dude, was Grandpa. Uh, yeah, the, you've seen the photo, right? Yes. It's... I mean, the guy looked like he served four years in the fucking White House. That's bad. Really bad. Um, so that's my first salvo of my thoughts. Yeah, and like, you're, and you're same, absolutely right. Same thing's happening with Eddie Howe, by the way. I mean, he's... Well... He's so, a trust fund baby now. He's good because he's a trust fund baby. No, what I was saying is it's different with Eddie because Eddie, at least from what I can tell, is having active like kind of say in where that blood money is being spent. Sure. Right? You know, almost all, if not all, of what was bought for Chelsea was done before Potter came in. Because it's I mean, I think it's organizational wide mismanagement. Is has just been erratic. It's been, oh, well, if we throw X dollars to solution, we will get, you know, it's, it's, it's like somebody took a spreadsheet and was like, okay, this amount of investment is going to get us this amount of, of points in the table. Let's do that. Why why, why no work? Yeah, do? Clearly, Todd Bowley doesn't know a fucking thing about soccer. Yeah. Um, and the fact that he's, like, going into, like, the team, the tunnel at halftime and, like, telling the players that this is just embarrassing yeah, no fucking shit. You're the embarrassment. And uh, and one thing on Powder though, don't forget, under his tenure, they I mean, the January window they signed Jao Felix and Enzo Fernandez. Yes, um, Enzo Fernandez, who you know, people <laughs> seem to be high on. I think he got that that I think he got that Jaimez Rodriguez World Cup bump. Happens you know, it's pretty year. it's pretty easy to to dominate a midfield when the opposing team is putting you know, three people on or spying Messi when he's not even in the midfield. Yeah. Like yeah, you get you get a lot of space with Argentina when you're on the field with the world with you know Martin with the song or uh Latoro Martinez with, with Lionel Messi, Di Maria, the whole fucking kit and caboodle. Um but yeah let's go pay what was that like one twenty mil something like that? Crazy. Fucking crazy for a defensive mid, in my opinion. But agreed. Good for you guys. Good for you guys. Um, they have so many players that they don't. There's not room for everyone in the locker room. I mean, I think, I think Fabrizio Romano said like nine or eleven players will be gone this summer. Yeah, I think there's going to be. I think they're going to have a mass exodus. I think United's going to have a pretty 
big exodus. I think Chelsea, uh, not Chelsea, Liverpool's going to have a decent exodus. I think Liverpool's exodus, though, is going to be a lot more of, like, letting the old guys go, right? Like, they're not going to be, I don't think, reaping a ton of uh, of money off of whatever they're going to be doing just because, like, there's not much money in letting Milner go. Uh, but the thing back, back with Chelsea is, you know, the rumor is Pochettino, right? Oh, yeah. Lampard and is going to oversee it for the rest of the season. Poch comes in. I want to say this. I actually think that's a really good hire because... The thing Pochettino did really well at Tottenham was he built like a team. He built a team culture. It wasn't a culture of winning, so I know we've got problems there. But it was a culture of coming very, very close to winning. And it was a culture of like a team playing together, of like being able to put your best parts with each other so that they are better and protect your weakest parts, right? As players, as a unit. And looking at Chelsea, they are a collection of individualized talent. Yeah. No matter who stays and goes, they're going to have, they have, the the talent is going to be there. And I think they need somebody. Now, the biggest question is can Todd Bowley get his dumb fucking like ass out of the way and, and let Pac build what he needs to build? So I like the hire in terms of what he can bring that they are seriously lacking. But I'm also not picking Chelsea to, you know, win the, win the Premier League next season. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, Tottenham and Conti parted ways. Tottenham had an interim manager. Tottenham are now on their second interim manager after being dismantled last week by Newcastle. It's pretty wild to have, you know, eight games left in a season and at you know and be... You know, fourth place or just outside of fourth place and decide that we're just going to use an inner... Like, like, with what they have to fight for, shouldn't they have been fighting tooth and nail to, like, get their next manager to try to steer the ship into Champions League soccer? Yes. Short answer, yes. Long, long answer? We've, we've, we've actually... You and I have been t- talking about a lot about cultures, Right? There is no team with a worse culture than Tottenham. Like, it, it, if, if participation trophies had a top six counterpart in the Premier League, it's Tottenham. <laughs> Harry Kane is 29 years old. Probably going to end up, as if he keeps playing in the Prem, as the top Premier League, as most goals scored in the Prem. Which is an incredible statistic. Credit to him there. I think he's had something like, in all competitions, like 50 plus attempts to win a trophy. And he has never won a trophy in his senior career. Jesus. Tom cleverly won trophies in his career. (laughs) Fuck, at least Mitrovic won the championship. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that is that's, damning. That's pretty bad. But like, I mean, here's the thing. <laughs> it's not like, you know, I remember you what you had said uh, uh, if it was a group or private text. I don't recall, but after the World Cup, 
final, you said, you know, if I was Mbappe, I'm walking back in the locker room and saying, well, I did my job. Mm. In many of those attempts to win a title that he failed, I think many times he was able to walk back to the locker room and say, well, I did my job. On the whole of those campaigns, yes. But if you look at the big games and the big moments in his career, if you look at the Champions League final against Liverpool, anonymous. Well, they were given a penalty in the a bullshit penalty in the first five minutes. Yeah, dude. Manny was down two one with at the ninetieth minute mark. Came back down one zero. Came back to win two one. Yeah. Oh, I just, that one. I, I, Missing I'm, I'm the penalty in the semifinal against France at this last World Cup. Yeah. He does not have the clutch gene. No. Like, Mbappe, right now, might be topping my list of, like, ultimate clutch genes in the sport. Benzema, huge, huge clutch gene. Vinicius in the last uh, Champions League won't run. Vinicius, clutch gene. Some of these guys step up in the big moments when it counts. Well, yeah, but those guys are, none of those guys are English, so, like, that makes sense, Donnie. Let's Harry, be real. Harry Kane, as good of a player as he is, it's it's almost like if you don't if you end your career, like the point of soccer is to win, right? We agree to win trophies. Is that the point? I, I think it is. I would say for most people, yes. For some people, it's you know an avenue for riches and riches sure. and big. If the point is to win team trophies. Harry Kane's career, despite all the goals, has been a failure. Yeah. It's just like, I just, I don't want, Manu's being linked to him. I do not want that guy on my team. I do not want Tottenham's culture on my team. I don't want any association with that. I don't, and I also, I don't want a 29-year-old striker. I don't. Because that's a solution for three years. Yeah. There's plenty of young talent out there. There's one guy in particular. This is one you want. Who I really want. Take him. <laughs> Please, take him. Get him out of Italy. But, um... Anyway, that was a tangent on Harry Kane's. We talked about Tottenham, but... Jesus Christ. They need some help. So badly. Yeah. I mean, I... I I, I think it is a, I think it is time for him to say goodbye. You know, you do bring up some good points, but it could also be... He needs to change your scenery. He... Remember what I had mentioned before is you can't take 11 guys that don't have that championship mentality and ex- and naturally expect them to grow, like to, to find it out of nothing. You need to bring in somebody or some people that have that mentality. Right. So I know you don't want him, but if you wanted to, if you, I mean, if you can't get Oshman, and you want a title contending push next season, I could see a world where the leadership of Casemiro, Varane, Bruno, Lissandro, right? Like, there's an avenue where maybe part of Harry Kane's problem is that he is forced to be the leader of the team. Mm. He doesn't really. He doesn't. When I watch him, you know, playing game, like he doesn't strike me as like he's got that. I will follow you 
through, through the gates of hell. Right. Right. I get that from some other some other guys, not not on the Tottenham team. So maybe in those big moments, if Harry's not the one that has to wear the armband, if Harry's not the one that has to be leading by example, and instead he's the guy that gets to fuck the opponent, you know, in the box, that might unlock something for him in in, in those clutch moments. Yeah, very. Well, very I also awesome. have to imagine Harry Kane on you know uh, if he decides not to renew his contract on his last year at 29 is going to, mm, I was going to say cost less, but I forgot about how much tax there is on fucking English players. Yeah, English tax. Uh, He's the captain or, too of England. Yeah. That's so that, that'd be my biggest concern. My biggest concern would be if he does come, will there be pressure to make him get the armband in his first season at United? No, Bruno will be the captain. Yeah. I would hope so, but I'm just saying like, Harry Maguire got the fucking armband, you know? You know, like, like it's not not unheard of at, at that club. Sorry, I know this is not what you really want to be talking about, so let, let me pivot. Um, we've got to talk about what's going on at the bottom. There's a lot of things going on around the bottom. I mean, I think this is this has got to be the tightest relegation fight in recent memory. Yeah. We've got... A lot of things going on. A lot of people are, are still in danger and jeopardy. It started to separate a little bit. Uh, you know, I think, what, less than a month ago, we had the bottom eight teams were all, you know, within four points of, of the drop. Now we've got a bit more of a cushion with, you know, a little stuff going on. But, I mean, I got to call attention to my boys – Leeds, they, you know, they canned Jesse Marsh. They brought in, you know, they went managerless for two games, I think. At least one, but I think two. And they brought in Javier Gracia. Got a couple results, and everybody's like, yep, it was the right, right choice. But looking at everything since he's taken over, there's nobody that can convince me that Jesse Marsh's team would have gotten worse results than what Leeds have gotten over the length of, of Gracia's tenure so far. I, I, I... Okay, let me ask they, you this. Yeah. Do you think Jesse Marsh deserved to be fired? Deserve Cause, is cause, such cause, interesting. Because saying... He, I don't yep. necessarily disagree with what you just said, but just because this guy happens to be doing the same or arguably maybe worse than Marsh would have done doesn't mean that a change-up wasn't required. You see my point? So I'm asking oh, absolutely. you. That's what I'm asking Absolutely. You. But what it, what I'm just trying to kind of point as is the problems at Leeds are beyond, I think, the managerial situation and always have been. That defense is a goddamn joke. It's literally moving comedy. It's worse than Dortmund in the clutch part of the season of the Bundesliga's defense. And that defense is also notoriously terrible. So, yes. So Leeds, you know, had that game against Leicester this weekend, or this this midweek, went up early, and then crumbled, gave up the equalizer. That that would have been a huge six-point tilt in that relegation battle, but instead huge, huge 
LSU game against Bournemouth. Bournemouth was actually racked up a couple surprise wins. Remember over the I said Bournemouth is for sure going down. Yeah. They're for sure, in my opinion, they're just about for sure staying up. I think I think their uh, six-point cushion, they have a seven-point seven cushion, cushion, is going to be enough. Um, I think they're staying up. Southampton, holy shit. Wow. I mean, they're tough. Yeah, yeah. They, I, I don't, I don't I mean, what, what they, they have, they are six points behind 17th place. I, I can't see a world where they're getting six points. Yeah, I agree. My, my concern with Leeds is if Leeds doesn't beat Bournemouth, that's really their last logical opportunity for a W. Oh my god. Are you looking at their schedule? Yes. I just see at least easy three L's or Man City, Newcastle, Tottenham. I, I forgot West Ham's in there as well. So, you know, Bournemouth is, their I think, their best opportunity for a W. West Ham, I think you could see it happen as well. The problem is that Bournemouth and West Ham games, those are on the road. And Leeds have been abysmal on the road. They're also at Man City. That that that's that's a loss. That's a thirty-seven point loss. Easy. Um, the funniest thing though is so they play home to Newcastle. Uh, doesn't seem good for Leeds, but the last game of the season is Leeds hosting Tottenham, and boy, wouldn't that you know? There is something to say about Tottenham closing out the season if they have no if Tottenham are eliminated or secured from whatever that they could potentially get, they'll probably take care of business. But if Tottenham have something to play for, then I like my I, I think Leeds has a shot. You know, I'm looking at Nottingham Forest. They have a pretty tough run in team. Yeah. They have Brentford, and then kind of an easier one against Southampton. Chelsea is kind of can go either way. Arsenal with a second-loss game of the season, and then Crystal Palace. So they have it a little bit better, but still a lot of losable games there. Yeah, I mean, I, I would take that over Newcastle City and Tottenham. Especially considering Chelsea, Brentford, and Crystal Palace all really have nothing to play for. Palace well, is eight points clear of the drop, so they have something to play for. But if that's a later in the season game, it may be resolved by that. And looking at Leicester, their last five, theirs is also pretty tough because they have Everton. That's going to be a huge one. A fucking that's a that's a knife fight. Then they have Fulham in London. I think maybe Mitrovic will be back. Maybe not. That's permaban. Did they really? They really fell off a cliff without Mitro. They are. He is so important to that team. He if if the if the player of the season was called the Dude, MVP. Yeah. I was just going to say the exact words you're saying right now. If he is the MVP. There is no player more important to his team than Mitrovic Then they have yeah. So then Leicester has Liverpool. Then they also have Newcastle. So Liverpool, Newcastle, those are L's. Fulham is probably an L. And then Weston. So Leeds does have it worse, but it's not like the other guys have cakewalks either. No, for sure. For sure. Um, and and I, we- I think Weston, unless they lose... I think unless Weston lose both to... Um, Leeds and Leicester, I think Weston's probably getting staying up. Yeah, I I, I think so too. I, I like their chances. You know, one that is an interesting ride through is the current 19th place, Everton. 
they're got smoked today. They're they're two points out of the drop, if I'm not mistaken, or below the drop, I should say. Um, but they play Leicester, so that's a that's a relegation fight. There, they play their last game of the season is Bournemouth. Then they play. They also have Wolverhampton. They do have a game against Man City, so that's that's going to be rough for them. And they play Brighton, who are on a bit of a slump, maybe slump warning, I'd say. Slump warning and kind of the hangover from losing a dramatic shootout. Yeah. So, like, I mean, Everton's shown us nothing to make us think that they are going to get points even against the relegation teams. But Leicester and Bournemouth, those are two prime opportunities for them. And if they could, you know, scrape a draw against you know wolves or even get a win like like there's so everybody outside of southampton has something to play for and you know i i can talk myself into everybody above southampton having a chance of staying up yeah i don't think they will yeah i'm with you there i'm with you there um should we get out of the premier league for a bit we are uh, we are running out of time on our hour should we uh, go get a, a nice uh, nice stein of beer and a large pretzel? Firing Julian Nagelsmann was the most wild decision I've ever seen. In over 80 matches in charge in all competitions, he lost 10. He was undefeated in the Champions League this season with Bayern. Undefeated. And Tuchel has knocked them out of the... Cope, but their their little Pokal Cup, whatever. The DF DFB. There it Where's is. Preston to tell us the proper way to pronounce it, like onion or whatever. Dude, who cares? <laughs> as long as one person from World War II is still alive, Germany can fuck off. <laughs> That's my statute of limitations on that one. Um, he got he got fucking absolutely embarrassed by Pep. In his defense. How was he supposed to know that um, Kanate was, uh, or no, shit, Upamakano? There we go. Was a sleeper agent for Man City. Wow, that was bad. And he also now has them kind of, even though he beat Dortmund, crushed them. In his first game. Bayern are kind of in a tough spot here. They may not win the league title. I mean, they probably will still. Still. Bayern going for them, they have like a 20-point goal differential advantage over the next best GD, which is Dortmund. The problem Bayern have is Dortmund have the one-point lead. Yep. And what, we get 36 games in the Bundesliga? And so we've got seven left to play? Uh, We get... We get 30... Uh, oh, 34. Yeah, so they have five left. Really? Five left. Ooh, baby. And so I'm looking at their schedule. Bayern, it looks relatively straightforward. They have um, Leipzig, who are in the top half of the table. Who are who are, are like in a, in a bit of a fight for uh, Champions League. They are in fifth right now, and they're two points behind Freiburg. So every point for Leipzig matters. And it looks like Dortmund has Wolfsburg, Gladbach, and Mainz in theirs. And I think those are all um, 
top that's half seven, of the table eight, teams. That's seven, eight, and ten. Yeah. And then I think they both have like at least two against some bottom feeders. Yeah, yeah. So that that one is going to be a toss-up. I would love for Dortmund to win it, but man, I just feel like the Bundesliga is tricking us again, and Tuchel is just the latest part of them tricking us. And then it's not even so much that Bayern is going to win it, it's just that like Dortmund is going to do what they have always done. And, and bottle it. I will say this, Donnie. There are two matches against the bottom feeders, which are uh, Bochum and Augsburg. Those are their two road games. Their other three games against 7, 8, and 10 are all at home. And Thomas Tuchel isn't their coach, so that's also an advantage. You know, we've, this, is, this is the furthest we have gotten with the boring Liga not yet being boring. And even, even when Bayern win this because Dortmund will lose it to them, it does kind of feel like we may have a guarantee that it's going to be interesting to the end. Yeah. Yeah. That's something. That's a thing. My only thoughts on La Liga are Barcelona are definitely winning it. Yeah. And I, sh- I called my shot at when our preview and I said... For whatever reason, the only negative that Don Carlo has on the resume is that he just doesn't go back to back on league titles. No. And I mean, who cares if he wins? If he could win another Champions League, nobody. I wins. also, I don't think Carlo really gives a fuck about the league titles. And I, I think it stems back from his time at Milan, when like from an ownership level, it was we want to be the the team of Europe. And so that is always the priority. priority yeah. And, and I, I think he is always always kind of like vibed with, with that concept. My only other interesting note of the La Liga is that um, Lewandowski has been in a, one of the bigger slumps of his career. I think he's only scored two in those last 12 or something like that, which is just an interesting point. Apparently it's got uh, Barcelona shopping for striker. Maybe they can sign Harry Kane. I just can't see Harry Kane with that dumb fucking British accent in Barcelona. I just like as a human him in Barcelona's home kit colors, and that's so off-putting. No, just like picture him trying to order like a a a beer at a restaurant in Barcelona. Like it's just because like you know how like I think he's got one of those accents that just makes him sound kind of dumb. Yeah. It just, I don't I, I don't I don't get that Barcelona vibe from Harry Kane. Um, I do want to take us back to Italy real quick and just say like, kudos to Napoli. Uh, have not officially locked it up yet, but it could happen if if Inter get points off of Lazio and Napoli win this weekend, they will have officially locked up their first Scudetto since Diego Maradona brought the Scudetto to Naples. When he was playing, that's pretty cool. So, props to them. You know, they're they're two star attackers, Oshiman, who's been a beast in Naples for last two three years, and then the breakout player from Georgia, not the state, um, Kavata Kadashelia. When he's not playing Milan, he's been absolutely amazing, and uh, so cool to and, see. And by the way, spoiler alert: those guys ain't playing for Napoli next year. I would bet you one of them will. 
Oh, I'll take that bet. Both of them are gone. They've got Kvadashelia locked up for several years, and I think they're in. I think Dealeronides is going to bank on having another, at least another good season of him to even get his price higher. Um, I think Oshman's gone. I think uh, uh, Min, Lee, Min Jin Lee, uh, their, their 26-year-old center back, I think he's gone. They're going to lose a couple midfielders most likely. But I think Vodicelli is going to stay. Okay. You heard it from Omgo Podcast, Serial expert first. Who's wrong on everything. So, you know, hammer, hammer, the, hammer Donnie's bet. Um, also, if you can find it, hammer the Man City treble. I'm going to hammer it as the ultimate um, hedge. It might be my biggest little, bet ever. I know we're a little over time on what we talked about, but... We set the rules. We, I got I to gotta, I gotta throw it to what the fuck is going on at U.S. Soccer. Well, Eric, <laughs> it's, a, it's a really interesting question. We can talk about the alleged blackmail. We can talk... I wasn't about, even... I was even I, I was I was I was even going there. We could talk about the relevance of somebody kicking a woman who ended up being their spouse like 28 years ago. We can talk about the fact that we don't have a coach. We can talk about the fact that our sporting director, what's the what's the guy's title we just hired? Is it sporting director? Uh, sporting director, yeah. Talk about that guy uh, being linked to Southampton, who we just talked about being relegated. You know, where do you want to go? Where Where do you want to start with that? I mean, it's just... I wanted to go with that for the last few months, we've been drifting listless without a, like, director and yes. without a manager. Meanwhile, we've got a really, really critical multinational candidate recruiting target, Florian Balogun, yep. who's lighting up Uber Eats. Uh. Mm. Who the hell is like running that initiative? We don't have, we, we don't have anybody in charge. And yeah, the, the announcement last week that it looks like we've earmarked this Southampton sporting director who through his great leadership and clever financial footwork finds himself incredibly in debt. There's a, it's a Michael Scott line there. I'm sorry, that's our answer? So, you're not going to like what I'm going to say. His, his name is Matt Crocker, by the way. He was hired on Tuesday. And that's official. There's a part of me that wouldn't be shocked if our current interim coach... Anthony Hudson gets appointed as the, the coach. There also is a part of me that wouldn't be shocked if this Croker, Cocker, Betty Cocker motherfucker wants to put his own stamp on things and hire someone. The problem is, how can a national team be this directionless for, it feels like, almost six months? When we should be building up towards being the host nation of the World Cup. Yeah, like the next three years 
are by far and away the most critical years in the history of the men's national team. Like, we need to have our shit together a year before the Copa. Yep. And then we should be fine-tuning and perfecting things between the Copa and the World Cup. Because the Copa is our only competitive... Like, like the Gold Cup bullshit, does, like, like, that shit's not real. The Nations League stuff, that shit's not real. The Copa is our... Like, we don't have World Cup qualifying this cycle. Right. The Copa is our opportunity to actually test our medal and get real feedback in games that matter. So, Crocker was at Southampton. Southampton almost hired Jesse Marsh a couple of months ago before that collapsed at the end. Collapsed because he wanted he wanted a multi-year deal, and the deal they were, they were only discussing was through the end of the season, and then we'll, we'll decide after. Wouldn't be shocked if Crocker hires Jesse Marsh. That would be interesting just because I would want us to then get drawn in the group with Uruguay and the Copa because they're going to hire Bielsa and Jesse Marsh replaced Bielsa. Like that, that one instance would be pretty, pretty funny. I think that I am on the minority on this, on Jesse Marsh. He has not succeeded in Europe's top five leagues mm-hmm. as a coach. Yeah. He's also a system manager. Yeah, I, I don't want him to be the manager of the, of the United States. I want him to go to a, a maybe get out of the Premier League. Yep. But stay in a top five league. Yep. To like a, a also maybe try to go to a team that's not one of the odds on favorites to get relegated, which Leeds were at the start of the season. True. And and, and kind of build his chops there, right? Like a mid-table Spanish team, Italian team, German team. That would be my ideal scenario. Right. Um, but I want him as a club manager because regardless of his failures thus far, he is, you know, a top two, if not top one, American coaching candidate level. What about um the guy who coaches uh, Stuttgart? That's why I said a top two. Ah, okay. Yeah. yeah. Um. Uh, Matarazzo Pellegrini, uh, uh, Pellegrini Matarazzo. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, I do want him to do well. I have nothing against him. I just don't want him to go to the national team. Yeah, I know. I agree. Um. That being said. There are, more, I, there are definitely I, worse I, hires. I'd like played. him coaching the national team over um, Anthony Hudson. And I would like him coaching the national team over rehiring Greg Berhalter. Yeah. Like, like if, if, if your list is Jesse Marsh, those two guys, and a bunch of MLS lifers, Yeah, I, I want Jesse Marsh well, 37 times over them. <sighs> Unless, but I say MLS lifers. You could talk me into Steve Sherundle, though. That's where I was. That's the only one who I would but like. He, he cut his teeth as an assistant in the uh, in the Bundesliga, yes, and he played in the Bundesliga. And that's why he's not an MLS lifer You're in right. my mind. You're right. You're right. Now Chirundolo or Marsh, that's a much more um, that's a much more fun conversation. And like, I mean, there is Chirundolo is way less tested than Marsh is, in like True. in terms of quality competition as a as a head as a, as a lead manager. 
But in terms of now, now another comparison: Shrundalo Berhalter. Shrundalo won the fucking thing. Berhalter could never. Yeah, yeah. No, there's, no, there's no question there for me, right? Like, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, it's it, same thing. If, if you gave me Shrundalo, Hudson, Berhalter, or other MLSers, it's not even a question. Shrundalo. Yeah. Um. Okay. Knowing that Zidane is not real, not on the table. Mm-hmm. Gun to your head, Jose Mourinho gets offered the U.S. job, willing to accept it. Yeah, yes or no? Just go. Dude, absolutely. Yeah, same. Even even knowing that it will end in flames and not flames of victory, but flames of ruin. I'm here for the show. Ha- has never lost a European final. I'm here for the show, and. You know, there's a world where Roma don't even finish fifth, but finish sixth or seventh in Syria. They've got no European competition next season. They can him or he walks. And he's he's free. And I don't think this is the case at U.S. soccer, but what if those are the tea leaves they're reading? I would love those to be the tea leaves they're reading. Unfortunately, they you, they can't. The whoever's running U.S. soccer, whoever the bigwigs are, not only can they not read tea leaves, I don't think they can read actual English text. They're also they're not, they don't exist. Yeah, Nobody, nobody's nobody's home. Chat GPT is running the national team right now. Dude, could you just imagine what would you give to be part of the team that pitches Jose Mourinho on? We're going to make you the, the media star and focal point of the host nation of the next World Cup. Oh, Jose would thrive. Jose versus the American media, it's not even fair. Also, like, I, I think you just need to, you get one sentence out, you get your, like, your opening thesis of that pick, and he's finishing the pick for you. Yeah. I would love it. I'd love it. He's an expert in knockout round style tournaments. He has talked publicly within the last year about being impressed with the level of talent that this U.S. core has. Most talented player pool we've ever had. I, I'd love it. I mean, I think it also, if, if we announce it before, before Florian Balogun makes a choice, I think that gives us even more cachet to, to really, really level up our striker position. Also, there's not a chance somebody who's like playing well for an MLS team that's in like, you know, maybe going to make the MLS playoffs is getting called in over somebody who's leading the Bundesliga and scored at the time. It wouldn't shock if Jose Mourinho was the manager of the U.S. men's national soccer team. I'd be shocked if there was a single MLS player in the World Cup roster. Absolutely. I would be shocked. I think he would rather take some 18-year-old American kid who's an academy product in Europe to give him an experience than to just take some MLS guy he's not going to play anyway. The only person I could see 
the only I could see him bringing DeAndre Edlin, saying it's important to have leadership. You know, DeAndre's not going to play, but it's important to have leadership because I also don't think because he really cares about developing giving an eighteen year old experience because he's not going to be around. You know, to, yeah. to, to reap the benefits. But DeAndre is the only MLS player I could see. Fair. So, we'll see what happens on that front. Nothing anytime soon. That's the only thing I can guarantee you. Yeah. Well, my friend, we're back. I think our next pod, if it's not our next one, the one after that, one of those next two, might be an in-person recording. So, yeah. I feel like those would have, have a, an exciting energy and something to look forward to. Yeah. As you guys know, you can uh, follow us on Twitter at OngoPod. You can email us, OngoPod at gmail.com. We apologize for the long hiatus. I hope everyone finally can take a you know a sigh of relief knowing who won the World Cup. Um, <laughs> yeah, penalties won. Yeah, <laughs> and at the end of the day, penalties and slavery were victorious. <laughs> yeah. And on that somber note, bye. Bye. To the byline. It's in. It's an off goal. It's a gift. He's almost done well to get that in because he's ahead of the near post. It's almost behind him. Sticks his left leg out. It almost hits his heel. It goes straight into the bottom of the corner. Bottom corner of the net. Gets ahead of the ball. It's the inside of his car. Got no chance to clear the keeper.